everybody. Welcome back to the Midnight Terrors podcast. I'm your co-host, Kevin, here with, again, new member of the Midnight Terrors family and new co-host, Roy R. Jacob Honeybrook. What's up, brother? Hey, what's up, man? Look at this. Two episodes in already. Yeah, man. And uh, a big deal, this one. It's your first movie pick for the show as a co-host. Look at that. I hope I did you proper. Yeah, man. Uh, so we're back with another movie pick. Uh and our movie discussion tonight is on the movie Ghosts of War from 2020. And this was your pick, as I said. Uh, I'm excited, man. I had known about this movie for a little while. I had not seen it, but I remember when it came out on Netflix or something in 2020. Um, yeah. Right? That's about right. Yeah, I believe it was Netflix that was released on. That's where I first saw it. Yeah, and then uh, I watched it on Tubi today. So... Uh, let me ask you this. What uh, what drew you to this as your first movie pick as being a co-host? Uh, so this is one that's not really talked about too often. So I wanted to do something a little different. Um, and on top of that, did you ever see the meme? It's like guys after 30 either get real into smoked meats or World War II. No, not at all. Well, I, I was the latter and I got real into World War II. Um, and I've always been into history, so... When you can take something that combines history and horror, I'm here to talk about it all day. Yeah, so this one, same here, man. Uh, I'm I was a history major in college, so history really? is uh, yeah, history is my bread and butter. My emphasis was on European history, actually. Oh, that's so cool! I was a history minor. Yeah, man. Uh, so I love history. I love uh, learning about all all types of history. Um, so yeah, any like period piece horror like this is uh, right up my alley. Um, I did not know anything about this movie going into it. Uh, I knew it was a war movie. Uh, I was I would assume there were ghosts. <laughs> Basically what Call. the title told me. Like I didn't know who was in it. I went in completely blind watching it today. Yeah, um, and I, I think this is one where you benefit from going in blind, not knowing too much about it. Um, yeah, because WTF by the time we get to the end. <laughs> oh, uh, yes, dude. <laughs> I thought you were saying like a spoiler alert or something that didn't even register. Oh, nope, my God. Nope, nope. <laughs> WTF when we get to the end of this movie. Yes, major WTF, huge twists. Um. So, yeah, so this is a, we'll walk through the the plot here um this was an interesting first pick you know for me this was definitely something new for us to cover i think on the show so good on you for that um yep. so yeah like i said i had not seen this before i knew this poster i think i got it confused with a different war horror movie because i thought this was an early 2000s movie for some reason you might be thinking of uh might be thinking of the thin red line i think that had a similar poster to this probably yeah uh so Right out of the gate, um, the opening of this movie is very haunting. Uh, for those that have not seen this, basically the overall synopsis is that a group of about five World War II soldiers are stationed at a mansion, like a deserted mansion, uh, in Nazi-occupied Germany during World War II um, in 1944. And they're told to go occupy this house. It's something that must be protected. Uh, they take over for the soldiers that were there before. And weird shit starts happening at the house. Yeah, so, you nailed it. Fucking 
it's a haunted house movie in a war movie. Holy shit. Right. You're getting a lot with this one. This is a lot to unpack. Uh, and I got excited when I realized what it was going to do uh, with that. So, but we'll get to that as we move forward. But uh, right out of the gate, man, the opening of this with the the text reading from a soldier um, during World War II and then just the sounds of gunshots with no musical score is so true to World War II. Right. Like a lot of those guys would just write letters to communicate because you couldn't just pick up the cell phone and call. And then to hear no music and just the on um, the ambiance of war, it just kind of puts you in that setting right away. Mm hmm. And uh, I think his text at the end says something like, I don't know what's going to come first, the bullet that takes my life or my last chance for redemption. Yep. So. Yeah, this movie almost transcends horror a little bit in that it is almost a wartime movie first. Yeah, it's one of the reasons I was drawn to it is because you don't see this premise too often. You might get a haunted house movie, you might get a war movie, but you rarely get them in one film. Mm -hmm. um, and I love movies that do that, that switch up the premise. You can have a haunted house movie and it's like a family moves in. You can have a war movie, this is a straight war movie, but... Very rarely do you see something that thinks a little outside the box and says, what if we take this World War II setting and put horror into it and mix them together? I love that kind of stuff, and we just don't see a lot of it that I can think of. Yeah, no, not at all. Um, one of the things that this movie does really, really well, too, is when we meet our group of soldiers, they kind of blur the lines between are these good guys or bad guys? Because... Yeah. Our intro to meeting them is they bomb a Nazi vehicle and you're like, okay, they're doing their job. But then they start like fucking with the people that were hurt in the explosion, the Nazis. And like, it's like, again, their, their morals are almost questionable, questionable because they're having too much fun, like torturing other human beings. Right. They shoot the one guy who's dying in the head. There's one where they just beat him, even though he's dead, with, they bash his head in with a crowbar. Um, I think it really demonstrates that there are no really good guys or bad guys in war or throughout history. It's all just different shades of gray, and which side you're on kind of depends how you view it from your perspective. Yeah, and I wondered if that was, if you felt the same way too, but like, obviously the Nazis, you know, ultimate, like, evil there, um, without a doubt, but when we're watching these soldiers, like they're kind of doing fucked up shit. Like they're kind of abusing their roles. Uh, you know, the one is like pulling teeth out of a dead Nazi with a, with a, with like a knife or some shit and taking trophies that way. Yeah. They took uh, his gold teeth. Yeah. Not even trophies, just like, like, and then he's moving his mouth along and like having him sing a song uh, you know, maybe that was just me, but I, I felt like there, we start to question, like, are these that great of guys? Yeah, it's definitely that morally gray character territory. And even in like Saving Private Ryan, if you remember after they invade the beach, they're up there and the, these German soldiers have their hands up and they're saying, don't shoot us, we're Polish or something like that. And they just blow them away anyway. So mm -hmm. I think it. I think it does a good job in just showing the brutality of war and how there's really no rules once the shit hits the fan. Mm -hmm. And a very, uh, 
very real feeling moment, however much might be just gross out or uh, not comedic, but just like just like shock value. But the one soldier scratching his his like rash on his foot with a fork is yep. like just showing like the brutality of long wars. Yeah, and I'm sure you've heard of trench foot in World War One. How those guys would be down there in the mud and the dirt, and like that was one of the worst things of that war was the illness. They would take their I've heard things they'd take their boot off and like all their skin would come with it and ugh. Yeah, no, right out of the gate, this movie is very disturbing in showing what war is with questionable morals um, and just awful, awful living conditions. Yeah, because in the beginning, they're just in sleeping bags out in the middle of the woods. Mm -hmm. And my thing is, this is a great title for a horror movie, Ghosts of War. Cause it's almost a double meaning we are going to get ghosts but are the ghosts the spirits that we're going to meet or is it the repercussions of war yep i thought that exact same thing because you know you can't just go home and that's all gone now like that that'll stick with someone for their lifetime mm -hmm. uh great cast by the way i did not know kyle gallner was in this now what has he been in because i didn't recognize any of the actors Okay, so Kyle Gallner, I believe his character is Tapper. The one uh, that they say kind of creeps them out a little bit. Yeah, mustache guy. Yes, uh, very Southern accent. Uh, so he was in Jennifer's Body. He was the goth guy. Ah. He was just in Smile last year. Okay. And he was in the Nightmare on Elm Street remake. So he's had some pretty decent roles in horror. Yeah, he's got a lot of cred. Uh, Smile probably being his most big thing recently. Um, he yeah. was also had a small role in Scream 5. Okay. This guy gets yeah. around. Good yeah, for him. I, lo I love Kyle Gallner. I think he's a great actor and he has some great um, some great acting in here as well. Yeah, I was just um, going to say I really enjoyed his performance here. Mm -hmm. uh, what is the other guy's name? Uh, our main soldier that we're following. I'll, I will admit, first watch in this, I didn't keep up with the names all that well. No, it was, uh, I don't think they say them that often. I just kind of identified them how they looked, like they got the mustache, they got the glasses, the main character, the jacked character. Uh, Chris, the main guy that we're following, that's the head of the troop. Um, Brenton Thwaites, he was in Oculus. He's the brother in Oculus okay. when, when they grow up. Nice. Um, fucking Billy Zane's in here, too. Uh, and Brenton Thwaites was also in Gods of Egypt, which is, like, kind of a guilty pleasure movie for me. Like, I don't it's think so, I've seen that one. It's so terrible. It's Gerard <laughs> Butler playing a Egyptian god. Oh, my gosh. It's a terrible action movie, but it's kind of guilty pleasure material. Um... <laughs> But he's also in the latest Pirates of the Caribbean movie, Dead Man Tell No Tales. Oh, damn. So I really like Brenton Thwaites as well. But yeah, Billy Zane. Uh, I kept thinking it was the guy from The Mummy. The doctor like the... that we meet later. Mm. The one with the bald head. Yeah. But uh, no, yeah. It's, it's Billy Zane. Okay. <laughs> he does look like the guy from The Mummy. Right? Doesn't he? Yeah, I can see that now. Um, but no, Billy Zane. So great cast uh, in here. So we meet the soldiers. They're kind of doing questionable things. Um, Kyle Gallner, though, has a really sincere moment with um, 
with a mother and a son who are escaping a concentration camp. And he gives his coat to uh, the mother, as well as uh, like a patch that he took uh, after he killed a Nazi. Um, and I think he gave her some kind of food. Yeah. And that's just an eerie scene overall when they're walking along the French countryside and they see all these concentration camp uh, prisoners just walking through the woods out of there and over the hill. It's just like, ugh. Well, right out of the gate, you yeah, it is very sad when you see that. Um, but right out of the gate, it plays on the themes of the movie because we're going to find out later what these guys' sins are, so to speak. So right out of the gate, you see them trying to do good things. So he's helping this mother and son. Yeah. Um, so they're kind of moving along and then they find the mansion uh, that we're going to spend the next like hour in. Um, straight up, Roy, glad we talked about Resident Evil on the last episode because the inner part of this house in the main entranceway looks like the Resident Evil house. Yeah, doesn't it? Yeah. It's got the staircase, the things going on each side. It definitely took me back for sure. Yeah, I was like, holy shit, we're in the Resident Evil 1 video game. (laughs) We're close to it. Uh, but, you know, they settle in, uh, the other soldiers that they're replacing are very quick to leave. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, gnarly shit starts happening. Uh, the movie's a little bit, uh, I don't want to say slow, but it takes its time to get going. Yeah. And I think that adds to it where you see these guys just hanging around. It really illustrates that other part of war, which is like 90% bored, 10% fearing for your life. Mm -hmm. So I think that played off of that. And too, there's so much foreshadowing in this movie. I like like how um, the guy with the glasses, he's reading the book about the quantum machine that can go through space and time. And there's just so much good foreshadowing and tension in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, the first scare that got me pretty good is, you know, we're hearing like footsteps, you know, up upstairs, like kind of the classic ghost setup. A door opens, uh, just little things happening. The first scene that got me was two guys go into a room and they open the door and real quick they see the shadow of a hanging body uh Mm -hmm. in the blinds like they see the shadow of a hanging corpse on the blinds before it disappears yeah and i think the reason why these jump scares and subtle scares like that work so well is because it does such a good job of building that tension here Mm -hmm. the whole time these guys are walking around you're just wondering like what are they going to find what's making this noise and then when they do open it oh yeah you just see the silhouette of the person hanging against the curtain. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, they kind of relieve the tension here and there, you know, with some typical like, oh, shit, that was supposed to be scary, but it's just a friend, you know, just kind of fucking around. Yeah. One guy was exploring and then he thought he heard a scream and then it just turns out to be the tea kettle that the one guy's using. And he's like, Earl Grey. <laughs> um, but uh yeah, and then we get our first big reveal. There's like a radio thing that the soldiers are using that the other guys left behind, and they're like, this shit don't work in here. It doesn't pick anything up. Of course it's going to pick something up. You just know it's going to happen. Something's um, going to come through there. But they're hearing this tapping, and then they find out that it's Morse code. Yes. And the guy with the glasses finds out that the Morse code is saying, I have no legs. And again, more foreshadowing that's going to come into play later. Yeah, but when you're first watching this, it's like, oh shit, it's a creepy wartime ghost. Yeah. 
You might be but, thinking like it's uh, must be a ghost of one of the enemies they killed or a ghost that was killed here. Mm-hmm. Then there's some other great scares. Uh, Kyle Gallner is taking a watch from the roof uh, or from the balcony and he's looking through his scope. Uh, his scope goes through, sees like a statue stump and there's someone standing on it, but then he goes back real quick and it's gone. Mm-hmm. And then the ghost is in the scope. I Yeah, that was one of my favorite ones too. I think that was probably the best jump scare here. And I normally don't like jump scares. I think they're cheesy and cheap. But I think they work so well here because they do put in those subtle scares. Like you see the thing on the statue, then the jump scare happens. So it's kind of like building up to it. It doesn't just happen to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, it's kind of a simple story once you really get going. Like I'll admit watching this movie, I got a little nervous about halfway through because I wasn't sure if it was coming together for me as a narrative. Mm-hmm. But then they bring it all home in like the very last scene. So yeah. it is a movie that you have to be patient with. Patient and paying attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I even had to read the plot summary to make sure I understood it right. I can um, see that. But then I read it and I was like, oh, shit. Now there's more to pick up on when I go back and rewatch it. Yeah, it's definitely a movie that benefits from a second or third watch. Mm-hmm. So we get a reveal that there's some sort of black magic uh, in the house. They go up into the attic and they reveal that there's like a pentagram on the floor. Um, or like just a bunch of symbols down there. Um, this led to not a scary scene right away, but one that actually made me wince is when they try to move the cabinet that they saw. And the one dude gets his fucking hand crushed in the door and it's like his hand is un unreasonably fucked up. Oh yeah. It's so gnarly. His fingers are going ways they shouldn't. Ugh. Um, but then it, is followed by a jump scare. Kyle Gallner is looking in a mirror. This is a very conjuring move, but he sees the feet of a woman hanging behind him and you hear the rope of someone being hung. And then he looks away and then she's gone. That was a very yeah. conjuring move, which I appreciate. I definitely, yeah, I can see it. <laughs> hanging from the tree or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then one, again, I this movie has a lot of parallels between war terminology or like the life of a soldier mixed with horror so we hear on the radio a message saying if you leave you die yes. and i'm like immediately before they revealed it i was like like soldier desertion mm. yeah um, which was because a big thing which was a big thing yeah in world war one and world war two and it was punishable by a firing squad so to hear that on the radio you'd be like oh yeah that makes sense yeah, there's a lot of layers in here, so I kind of wanted to dive into that more. Were there anything else you picked up on when it comes to like the parallels between war terminology and horror stuff that we were seeing? Man, I mean, I think you hit most of them. But yeah, I mean, just the whole thing, like you said, from the title to the terminology, there's so much of this that can be taken away that's not just supernatural, but what comes along with being in battle. Mm-hmm. Um... So we keep going along and uh, they find out that a group of about 50 Nazis are coming to basically raid the the mansion. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a scene that got me good that was not, was really very creepy, which is when the Nazis are not aware of the presence of the soldiers, someone in the house somewhere just makes a really loud banging sound that sounds like a gun and they never really address it. 
So I just assumed it was a ghost because I never saw any of our guys that were following fire. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was a ghost. At first, I thought it was the sniper up top that shot, but it just keeps banging and banging and banging. Just that shows you how audio is in movies, too, because I don't know if they used whatever, but that that banging sound was just so freaky to me. Yeah, I would love to see this movie in a theater, honestly, because it's got an amazing sound design. Yeah, that would be great. And too, um, at this point, it almost seems like it almost seems like the German soldiers are just as scary as the ghosts, because you know you got these four guys, five guys in a house, and no matter who they are, you got fifty enemy soldiers coming outside. I'm probably going to be more scared of that than any kind of ghost, and they really do a good job of demonstrating that just with how it's shot and the build up to everything. Mm-hmm. But then they get dispatched real quick, the Nazis, because they come into the house and then we're watching something kill them off. One gets drowned in a tub, which was super disturbing. Uh, drowning is like a big fear of mine, so that is always disturbing. <laughs> um, or like any sort of suff suffocation. Yeah, it doesn't seem like a good way to go. And we see another one of that because we see one of them get hung. Yep. And then... Uh, Another one gets set on fire. Yep, that's right. And we find out why those particular methods as we go on. Because um, there is a reveal as to why those particular executions were chosen. Um, I love how this just gives you pieces of the puzzle along the way. Mm -hmm. Like you would never know what's going to happen the first time you're watching it. But it gives you a little bit here, a little bit there. And it's like, can you piece this all together? Because the first time I saw it, I was just like, something weird is happening here, but I have no idea what it could really be. Well, that was that was uh, something I noticed later. And I'll when we get to that part, I'll say what my speculation was personally. Um, but like at the same time, they're you're like you said, they're laying a lot of groundwork. And Kyle Gallner as Tapper, his character is really hard to get a read on because they're saying like he's having like too much fun with the way he's doing things. Uh, they talk about how he uh, killed a bunch of 15 year olds uh, and just straight up decapitated one of them, but then was playing cat's cradle with someone like immediately after murdering them. So that sets up like a, is he possessed or is he, you know, what's wrong with him? Yeah, it adds just another layer to it. Like, can we really trust this guy? Is the team cohesive? Is somebody going to betray them? Mm -hmm. So I wondered if maybe he was going to be the one that turns or is suffering from the real, like the ghosts of war mm. um, in more ways than one. Uh, yeah. Because then later he has an amazing speech about talking about playing Cat's Cradle where he reveals that he killed the 15-year-olds. The he did kill the 15-year-olds, but right after one of them got up and stood up and was playing cat's cradle with him. Uh, and he's got tears in his eyes. So he was like remorseful for what he did. He's like, what am I going to do? Not play cat's cat's cradle. I mean, I just decapitated the kid. Yeah. Just, Oh man. Such a, such a odd scene or odd thing to talk about, but he did it so well. It was a really convincing performance and added just more layers to that character. Yeah. Did you feel like it was remorse for what he had done when he was crying? Yeah. Cause I think at one point he said, it didn't feel like my hands doing it. 
Yeah, that's right. He said it was like an out-of-body experience. Mm -hmm. And I think, again, that's the layers of that title, that it's the yeah. ghosts of war. Like, look at what people become in war. Yeah, I mean, and it's scary to think, like, do we become that or is that what we are, man? Humans are violent and warlike by nature. So mm -hmm. maybe this is just the facade and the warlike persona is what we really are. Mm-hmm. So uh, then this is the part where I was like, what the fuck? Because they they try to leave the mansion because one of their buddies uh, got hurt in the battle. Yep. And when they're trying to help him, he keeps saying, this isn't real. This isn't real. And that's really what sparks them to be like, we got to get out of here. Yep. So they they try to leave but then they're back in moments that we already saw in the film they see the the mother and the son again that escaped the concentration camp and she uh, has the jacket on that he gave her yep and they're back uh by the blown up medic vehicle yeah uh, and they're repeating things that they already said so my theory at this point was that they almost like a sixth sense, sixth sense thing i thought they were already ghosts oh okay i can see yeah i can see why you would think that and i thought the reveal was that they were dead the whole time like they died in battle and that would have been that would have been okay <laughs> there, there's a lot of ways this thing could have gone wrong if they didn't pull it all together in the end mm-hmm and then we, so we start to see more of the ghosts, which are creepy. Mm -hmm. um, it's definitely CGI fest at certain points, but they are very creepy. Uh, there's really cool shots, uh, particularly the matriarch of the family that we find out are haunting the place. There's this really cool scene, and it played a trick on me earlier, and I wasn't sure if it was just me. There was a shadow at the end of the hallway uh, where Kyle Gallner was standing and you see, looks like someone peering out the window. Yeah. And they didn't linger on it, but I saw it and I was like, Oh, I guess that's maybe just a misdirect. But then they show you that same shot later. And I was like, I fucking did see her there. <laughs> you caught it. And then they do a jump scare with it. So yeah, I thought that was really, really clever. Um, and but, going uh, back to, to what you said, whenever they were repeating the stuff and starting to wonder what's going on, did you catch they mentioned uh, the occurrence at Owl Creek? No. Did you ever hear about that? Uh-uh. So the occurrence at Owl Creek is a short story, and it was also a short film that the Twilight Zone aired on its um, television. Basically what it is is, um, and this will relate back to what you thought about them being dead, <clears throat> but this guy is being hanged on a bridge at Owl Creek, but as he's being hanged, the rope snaps and he falls into the river and swims away and he goes on this adventure and he eventually comes back to go or goes back home. And as soon as he's about to run up to his wife and his kid, his neck snaps back and it turns out the entire time it was just a vision in his head as he was dying. Oh, shit. So that would really relate back to your theory. Yeah. Um, so then I guess the last thing to really talk about is the reveal what's actually mm -hmm. going on um help me out here if you can <laughs> i will i wrote, uh, I wrote a lot down <laughs> to make sure i had it right okay so we start to see chris our main guy get attacked by the matriarch ghost um and he wakes up 
in a very futuristic looking facility. Uh, and it turns out they are soldiers, but they weren't soldiers in World War II. They were soldiers in Afghanistan. Yep. And the family that they that they heard about, uh, which was a mother, a father, a son, and a daughter, mm -hmm. uh, they, in the World War II era, in what we find out is a simulation, that family, it was saying that that family hid uh jews yep um in the walls when nazis came looking for them but we find out that was all just part of the simulation but in reality our soldiers in the afghan war were with a cia agent they were the ones given refuge by that family in afghanistan not in world war ii but the same family in afghanistan gave them shelter from oncoming enemies. And then when the enemies were interrogating the family and the family wouldn't give them up, the soldiers just stood by and didn't save the family. And the family actually did suffer that those fates. The daughter was hanged. Uh, the father was burned alive and the, uh, the son was drowned. Yeah, you got it. And they don't show you what happened to the mom initially so the whole time i was like well what happened to her why is she dead mm -hmm. um and then they reveal that within the last few minutes of the movie uh but here so billy zane and his team made this simulation for these soldiers who were actually wounded in afghanistan you don't find out why until later they made this simulation to help the soldiers get over their their trauma of war yep is this like exposure therapy? Like they put them back in war as a way to help them cope with the stress of war? Yep. So I think it was the the one nurse who explained to them they put them in World War II because it was a way of like easing them out of Afghanistan battles into something that was more familiar to them. Um, or I guess, you know, they'd heard about through their grandparents or whatever. But the really big part is she said that putting them in the World War II simulation helped bond them over stuff they'd heard about. And like, we look back at World War II and the guys who fought in it and they're heroes. So putting them specifically in that scenario would help with the trauma, help with the bonding and help them ultimately recover from their wounds. Hmm. Yeah, yeah they, they, they put them into the war simulation, I guess, to ease them out of it you know they're still in a war but it's not a real war that it's world war ii because of how fondly those guys were looked upon mm -hmm. gotcha okay um so then uh they do show that the reason the soldiers didn't help the family was because the cia operative that they were working with cia operative that they were working with told them no uh and basically they with a lot of guilt left the family to die. Um, yep. And then when the soldiers come out of the simulation, the spirits of the family basically out for vengeance decide to uh, come out into the real world. And Chris, our main guy says, I need to face the family head on. We need to face what we did. We didn't help them. We need to face them. 
and he's like, put me back in the simulation and I need to face this head on. But right as he's doing that and the team is setting it up because he assumes that the ghosts are inside the simulation. Yeah. Uh, they're almost like a virus, he says. Uh, so you're like, oh, they're haunting the simulation. Um, and we find out also that the things that they were hearing from their one guy that got hurt saying, it's not real, it's not real. He's referring to the simulation. Uh, yeah, because it said he had woken up in there and he was screaming, it's not real. He was trying to alert them and then he died. Yeah, so he woke up in the middle of his simulation and that's not supposed to happen. Right. Uh, the I have no legs was Chris's subconscious trying to wake him up from the mm -hmm. from the from the simulation because he also ha he actually has no legs. Uh, so he says, put me back in. I need to face this family and own up for what we did. We need to pay for our sins. But as he goes to do that, the woman is confused. The, the female doctor is confused because she says, wait a minute, Chris, your memories are going to be wiped. And then it's too late. The countdown's already started. So he goes back into the simulation and we go back into the beginning of the movie, the first shot where we saw them all around the campfire and sleeping bags. Mm -hmm. And, and the that, last... guy, that guy with the cigar in the tree. Yes. And the last reveal is that, like I said, they never show you what happened to the mom of this family uh, that they didn't save. And the mom, after her whole family died, came out with a bomb of the house and in her dying moments cursed the soldiers for not helping. Yep. So the whole time it hasn't been, well, maybe it's been ghosts, but it's really been a curse placed upon them. And these ghosts are manifesting in the machine and coming into reality to do what curses do. Mm -hmm. And so she came out with a bomb, killed herself and took out the soldiers. Like they, they didn't die, but they got hurt in the bomb. Mm -hmm. uh, and she said, you're all going to pay for not helping and you're going to suffer. And the curse that she did, they find that one of the soldiers knows the word that she said, mm -hmm. which is an ancient curse. And basically she cursed the soldiers to live out the sins of not helping this family for the like for eternity. Yeah. So basically they're like stuck in purgatory. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Or hell, if you want to look at it that way, because yeah. the soldiers do say there's a version of hell in certain belief systems where hell is you living your worst moments out repeatedly for all eternity. Yeah. And did you pick up on too? I think it was whenever they were, whenever they found the bodies of the family when they were in the simulation and were trying to bury them. And they find out that the journal they've been reading through is all in Arabic and the one guy knows how to read it. And he's like, when the hell did you learn Arabic? Yeah. And it would make sense if they're fighting in the Middle East and that guy has to be like the translator or something. He would know that. Yeah. And that's, um, that's their subconscious seeping into the simulation. Mm -hmm. uh, also the, the pentagram thing that they saw on the floor in the attic was painted on a wall in oh. Afghanistan. <laughs> yeah, it was. I just picked up on that. And, I didn't realize that until you just said that. Yeah, and in reality, uh, Kyle Gallner, uh, Tapper, didn't actually do the awful things that they were saying about him. He actually yeah. helped to 
two kids in the street. He gave them uh, like a stuffed toy. Yeah. Uh, and then he came to find out that after the soldiers didn't help, the enemies like were the ones who decapitated the kid that he saw in the street. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And yeah, so that, I mean, that's where the movie ends. They are doomed to repeat this part, this awful thing for all eternity. And literally the movie ends where it begins. Yeah, so you could almost pick it up and watch it again. Pretty much. Watch it for a second time, knowing what it's going on. So the ghosts of war are multiple things. It's actual spirits and it's uh, the sins of what they did in war. Yeah. I want to ask you, what did you think of the twist? So when they first revealed it, I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) Um, (laughs) I was a little thrown off by it, Mm -hmm. uh, because when they got stuck in the time loop, like I said, I thought that they were just gonna be revealed to be ghosts all along. Yeah. Um, so when we jumped to the future, I was like, wait, what? Uh, and I, when they introduced all this techno babble, I was like, Oh, this might actually ruin it. Uh, but then when they tie it all together, like there's not a loose string or strand by the end of the movie nothing's left hanging so it's actually when you first watch it it's kind of a sloppy script Mm -hmm. from first view like it's very like scattered and you're like what the shit is happening (laughs) and then you bring it on home and they don't tell you everything until the very end yeah so you like the twist I do once I figured out what was happening, yeah. <laughs> Which, I, I like with... I said, I, I had to read the plot summary to make sure I got it, but... Gotcha. Yeah, I was with you the first time I saw it whenever they wake up and it's the future. I'm like, boy, this could this could get real shitty real quick. But they handled it so well. Like you said, they tied up everything. Nothing was left hanging. It all came together. And, like, as complex as it is, it's really not that hard to follow along as long as you're paying attention to it. Yeah, once they give you everything, you can put it all back together. And again, mm. I think rewatching it, you'll find more pieces of their subconscious sneaking through. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I think you're going to find more parallels between war terminology and ghosts and paranormal stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I will say about this movie is that is it the scariest thing in the world? No. Uh but I don't think it's meant to be. I think it's meant to be uh, a like a commentary on war. So I think if you, it's tough because I want to say go in with that mindset as opposed to a spooky ghost story because that's what I went in expecting. But at the same time, it almost ruins it if you n- know going in that it's like a commentary on war. Yeah, and that's almost like why I would benefit from a second watch. Go in blind think it's going to be a world war ii ghost story and then watch it again knowing what you know and i think then second time you'll be like oh okay i see what's going on here and i mean it's only an hour and a half you could watch it twice and be like like one movie mm-hmm. so uh yeah i like this movie a lot uh this was a nice. big su- this was a big surprise to me no i'm glad you enjoyed it it had gotten mixed reviews i'd seen like five sixes whatever um yeah, to me, I, I've really enjoyed this. Like I said, it's a unique premise. It blends history, particularly World War II, with horror. And I love a good twist ending. I, I like a twist ending that makes sense, 
that plays into similar themes that the movie has been bringing along the whole time. It, it was out of left field, which I love, but it wasn't so out of, it wasn't so out of left field that it had nothing to do with the rest of the movie. It all made sense. Yeah, I think for me, that was where I was with the ending was that when they first introduced what was actually happening, I thought it was going to ruin the movie because it was going to get so confusing and convoluted. But then <laughs> yep. they actually bring it home with the final reveal. Uh-huh. Reveal. Uh, so, yeah, it definitely, I think, begs more watchings. Um, and I think there's a lot to unpack here. So go in blind. That's the best way I can say, because I didn't know anything about this movie. Uh, so going in blind, I think you're going to get a lot out of it. And I think you're going to want to revisit it. Yeah, because that's how I went in. I didn't know anything about it. I'm like, cool, uh, World War II horror movie. I'll watch that. And then when you watched it, I told you, go in blind. <laughs> because... Yeah, it's it's well acted. It's well directed. Um, like I, I mentioned this on the last episode when you were talking about CGI gore. Yeah. It is very CGI heavy. It is. With the battles, but it's not ruinous because it's usually long shots of CGI blood. Mm -hmm. um but again it's i mean it's makes you uh makes you wince man like the battle scenes are brutal yeah and i feel like you can get away with that more in a horror movie than you could a straight up war movie you can mm -hmm. really show more of that brutal side to it um almost like did you ever see hacksaw ridge yeah i love that movie oh my god like when they first go up the up the ridge and there's just those corpses everywhere like that is straight up terror yep so I think that this kind of reminded me in that of that and just how it showcased how brutal battles can be. Mm -hmm. And this movie uh, succeeds in that as well. Uh, there, there really are a lot of ghosts when it comes to war. So this movie has a lot to say about it. So I recommend people see it. Yeah, absolutely. And especially, I mean, I've said this before, but I like that this isn't something you're going to see Put out by Hollywood, probably. Not you know, really, no. You go to a major studio and you're like, yeah, I'm going to make this movie. It's in World War II. There's ghosts. Uh, but then they're actually going to be in a simulation. And it, it's very creative. It's very out there. And yeah. um, man, I, th I think if you if you go in and watch it, and even if you do know what to expect now, listen to this, I think you will still enjoy it because I've seen it three times now. And I've liked it every time I've I've watched it and I pick up on different things every time. It's one of those movies where you can do that. Yeah, we said on our Q&A episode on the one we just recorded that we want to see more original stories going forward. This is what I want to see when I say original yeah. stories. I think this movie is very original. Yeah, everything from the setting to the story, uh, the characters, like we talked about in the beginning, just how they behave. Like, we, we, we idolize the World War II veterans, so to see them acting in a certain way, which, you know, some of them probably did act like that, um, is, is, is different in itself. And um, I think there's a lot to this one. For sure. So, uh, yeah, that's our discussion on Ghosts of War. Everybody go check it out. It's on Tubi right now if you want to watch it. So, uh, Roy, great first pick, my friend. Yeah, I'm glad you liked it. I wasn't sure because, like I said, it's gotten mixed reviews. So I'm like, eh, maybe it will, maybe it won't. <laughs> yeah, man. No, it was, a, it was a good discussion. It was a good watch. So uh, thank you for picking that. And uh, many more picks to come because, like I said, this is your uh, first official movie pick as a co-host. So you're going to get to pick a lot more movies going forward for sure. Looking uh, forward to it. So uh, in the meantime, that's it for the Midnight Terrors podcast. Uh, Roy, you want to plug your socials before we get out of here? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram, author underscore Honeybrook. There you can see all of my posts and lovely pictures of my mug. 
Uh, you can also find a link to my Amazon page with all my books. That's right in the bio. Uh, I have four books out. Latest one is New Year's Killing Eve. Lots of good zombie action in that one. Uh, but yeah, you can find that all at Instagram with author underscore Honeybrook. All right. And in the meantime, you can also get in touch with Midnight Terrors Podcast under Midnight Terrors Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. You can shoot us an email at midnightterrorspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to check out our link tree, you can find some hoodies, t-shirts, and stickers uh, to join the Midnight Terrors family that way. And you can join our Facebook group, Midnight Terrors Podcast on Facebook. Come talk some horror with us and all of our amazing friends. And we will be back with more content very, very soon. And uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. This is a Midnight Terrors podcast. We'll see you all again soon. Peace. <laughs>